From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 477. Today's show is brought to you by Electric and ZocDoc. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. Oh, say can you see, Jason? Uh, by the Dawn's Early Light. What's a Dawn's Early Light? Uh, it's, um, that's not what it is. Uh, Dawn's Early Light is a, it's a Dawn's smart Early? home light. The Dawn's oh. Early Light. <laughs> wow, they knew about that all the way back then? In the morning. Wow. Well, I think, you know. Dawn's anyway, Early. Oh. The Dawn's You know, I'm hearing the light. word that doesn't exist. Donzily? D-O-N-Z-E-R-L-Y. Donzily. So, Mike, a uh, little little quick, we haven't even started the show and we're going off the rails. Here it is. Um, the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner are about uh, a fierce battle raging overnight. And in the morning, as the sun starts to come up, seeing that the American flag is still flying over the place that was being attacked. So that's wow. how it starts. It starts in the middle of the story. Can you see by the dawn's early light? Uh, the flag, basically. And that's what it's. That's what the whole story is about. Wow. About the War of eighteen twelve, I want to say. I don't know, something like that. Over the ramparts we watched was so gal. Oh, so gallantly streaming. I don't know. It's, fu- it's a funny anthem to me, man. I gotta say, and the it's rockets, very red glare. You know, the music is just an English drinking song. Most most anthems are. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's true. There's a lot of dr- a lot of drinking. In we England, did a lot of that. So it's not not surprise. And singing after uh-huh. you're drinking. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you not? I have a Snow Talk question for you, Jason Snell. Okay. Comes from Trio, who asks, as someone who is still using the 10S, I'm wondering what prompted Jason's wife to make the upgrade this year. I may also do so, but I'm undecided as my 10S still works reliably, more or less, and continues to have OS support. Uh, I thought this was an interesting question. The truth is that we were on a two-year cycle where for, I was on a two-year cycle. For for a while there, what would happen is I would buy a new phone, and then when I, two years later, got a new phone, I would give Lauren my old phone, and she was fine with that. She was she was quite happy with that. However, I bought an iPhone mini, and um, she was not happy with that. Mm. And then last year, um, I pushed back a year because the iPhone mini died, and... It's for it's a four year old phone. It's time. So the, my answer is that yeah, I could have waited a year for it to not run the current OS because the iPhone 10 doesn't. So the 10s is next. So the kids have theirs. I have mine. Why would she not have hers? I, I felt like it was time for that to happen. So mm. now she's got honestly for the first time in a long time she's got a brand new phone. It's uh it's she deserves it. So so she got a, a 15. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that later. Uh, if you mm. would like to send in a question of your own, please go to upgradefeedback.com where you can do so. You can send in follow-up and snow talk questions there as well and many more things. Just go to upgradefeedback.com. You can send us your stuff. Jason? Yes. It is September. September is Childhood is. Cancer Awareness Month. Since 2019 at Relay FM, we have now raised, we, ne- we actually have now raised over $2.5 million as a community. That was what we wanted to pass this year, and we've done it. So we've hit our first goal for 2023. We put a new goal on this ca- year's campaign. Why not go for half a million dollars this year? We're at $341,000 raised right now for the kids of St. Jude. St. Jude will not stop their life-saving work until no child dies from cancer. With your support, we'll be one step closer to that day, one cure closer, one child closer. 
closer. The main thing I want to let everybody know about today, Jason, is that the fifth annual podcastathon for St. Jude is coming this Friday, September 22nd. It is a 12-hour event, which is unbelievable. I'm very excited. It, I'm going to give you some times here. It starts at 12 p.m. Eastern time, right? So that's okay. 9 Pacific. 9 Pacific and, uh, of course, 11 11 Central. In Central Memphis time where we will be. And that is a different time everywhere else. <laughs> it I, is. I wanted to start saying times and realized that the event that I have in my calendar for the podcast-a-thon is like it's early. For, for what for when the actual event starts all well, right so because here we go here we go no, hold, hold on let me like I, yes. I can i can do this i can solve this i can make okay. this really really helpful um it is at uh t colon one six nine five three nine eight four five eight colon f you know i thought you were going to help me i don't actually know what that means what you just said did it's, you just do one the, of those that, i think that's stations? the unix time okay. i think that's the unix time that is what you insert into discord when you want it to be a a universal time that displays everyone. So here so we go. Get, get on a Nine Unix. Hey, Unix Pacific. One six nine five three nine eight four five eight Central. Twelve yes. Eastern. That What's is the, five uh, p.m. UTC. British Summer Time. That would be four p.m. UTC or GMT, okay. and yeah. six p.m. in Central European Time, which is what Rome is. That's what I have in my little time zone thing here. So look. We're starting at, just do the calculation yourself. We're starting at 12 p.m. U.S. Okay. Eastern Time. It'll run for 12 hours, which I'm sure no matter where you are, you could at least catch some of the event. We're going to mm -hmm. be broadcasting live from St. Jude. So we're in the studio there. We have quite possibly the biggest production. No, not quite possibly. We have the biggest production we've ever had. Uh, we're going to be spending the next like three or four days getting everything set up. And we will be joined by the one and only Jason Snell. Hello, Jason. Hello, Mike. Uh, great to be here. No, wait a second. What are we doing? Not yes, yet. I'll be there. I, I, I've got flights. Yep. Uh, Kathy Campbell and I are Kathy's going coming. to be flying in from the coast mm -hmm. to lend uh, additional bodies to the 12-hour yep. long production. There's going to... Well, look, the entire event is focused around Mike versus Steven. We're going to need adjudicators, uh, referees, and participants yep. for these events. You know, when when this was originally pitched to me, I don't know if you know this, it was pitched as, oh, we would we would like you and Kathy to come to the podcast-a-thon um, to do, to, you know, to help with some stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that sounds great. And it was very much like, we don't really know what you're going to do. You can, like, yep. you'll help with some stuff. In the meetings I've had more recently... It is very clear that Kathy and I are going to be out there, maybe not as long as you and Mike, not or you long. and Stephen, but but a but a long time. There, there are a lot of things that you will be involved in, but the difference because we have to between... adjudicate or well, commentate about you guys. You don't doing need to be there thing, the whole right? time, like you don't. Me and Stephen are going to be there for like we're obviously there for the whole time. We'll be present in some capacity for all of it, but it's, sure, I can assure you well, the the, the where, requests where on you and Kathy will not be as heavy. Well, you can hang out. In the on okay. the set, you can hang out backstage, you know, and then right. we'll just shout for you, like I, Jason, well, like I'm that not, when we need you. I'm not saying that that we're doing as much as you and Stephen. I'm just saying that it, it, I I was enjoying the fact that it was a ramp mm. up from you need to participate in a brief portion yep. of the show to being like, well, we're sort of just assuming that we we own you for the day, and it's yeah. like that's fine. You do own us for the day. It just was a fun progression so well see so you see jason that is the podcast-a-thon planning experience it always starts out yeah. as we're going to do this and then by the end of it we have we've added 50 percent more runtime you know this is this Way is the usual it. thing 
So we're going to be live for 12 hours on the 22nd of September, this coming Friday at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. We posted about it on all of our socials, but please come in, join us. We've got so much fun stuff planned. Like, seriously, this is going to be an incredibly fun time. Me and Steven are going to be competing in a vast variety of digital and physical challenges, like from video games to... I don't even want to spoil it, but like we've just got some incredible stuff planned. We'll be posting some teasers of things, I'm sure, on Mastodon and Threads and Instagram over the next few days, but we're going to have a great time. So go to stjude.org slash relay. You can donate there. You can sign up for fundraising yourself and help us meet our goals for the kids of St. Jude. But don't forget to join us this Friday. That is at stjude.org slash relay. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. With your support, we'll be one step closer to that day. One cure closer, one child closer. This month, and every month let's cure childhood cancer together got some follow-up jason snell some of it kind of spanning mm. back a couple of weeks because we didn't talk about any follow-up over the last couple of weeks um yep. i'll start with one of those actually so the uk okay. government has had to face the facts that the boffins could not solve the encryption problem that they wanted what? to punch bot they, holes into they, into an encryption but they brought in the boffins they hoped they would what? be able to bring in the boffins oh the bo- but the boffins told them what they didn't want to hear, which is that they couldn't do anything about it because it's math. Yeah. So effectively, mm. what's happened is the law passed, right? But the government has basically conceded that the technology does not exist and they won't do anything until the technology exists. So they're not going to enforce their back doors. Uh, and so like the government's like, hey, no, we still care about this. We're not going to do anything. But we all realistically know that to do what they want to do is effectively impossible. This is kind of amazing because it's actually even an outcome that I don't think I considered, which is what if the government just goes ahead and passes it and then just tells everybody, never mind. This was <laughs> actually fine. something, not this exact, but this is what <laughs> kind of what I expected to happen. Like I said on the show that like my expectation was that they would pass the law, but then realize that these tech companies will leave. And so they'll just pretend like it never existed. Right. And essentially what they, they did that, but they're just like, oh, hey, you know. Uh, that technology, it will come. And when it does, oh boy, will we protect those children? Yeah. But there is no such thing as this technology. Which is impossible. And 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 the same thing, just to do a really short rephrase of this, the, the truth is the only way that you can make this work is by having another key. And there, there has been no um, backdoor key, extra key, skeleton key that has not leaked at some point, right? It's not mm-hmm. safe. It doesn't matter where it is. It's not safe. It will get out. The clipper key got out um the microsoft had that key that got out that let people spy on people's email like the keys get out they just do and so uh there's no way this can work like basically the way it'll work if ever is the way that it works right now um and how like in the u.s how a lot of this stuff happens which is there are bugs that are exploited you know there's stuff that is cracked and security holes are used, but an actual systematic creation of a second key or some other kind of backdoor. So people are saying in the chat room, like quantum computing is like, yeah, the most likely scenario here is that in the end, the encryption that's being used will be cracked by a government computer or something that is uh, super powerful. But like, basically, this is a this is all just window dressing for them to say they're doing something about protecting the kids when they actually uh, can't in this case. Yeah. So I'm happy about this. It's not perfect, but this will certainly do, right? That like we're not, I'm not going to lose iMessage and WhatsApp and all this kind of stuff. So I'll live with that. 
Uh, lots of people wrote in with theories and ideas for what Apple may do to make the A17 Pro a not Pro chip next year. You know, put the A17 in right. the iPhone 16. Most people mentioned a variation of Apple somehow binning the graphics chip, like so it's just like they bin the chips and the graphics isn't as powerful, or they removed the USB 3 controller as a way to bring down the capability of that chip to make it work as an A17. Mm-hmm. And Eric also wrote in to say something that I thought was interesting, that we may see the A17 first in an updated iPad or iPad mini, because that's most likely the next product. Could be. I think the question, I think these are all good, kind of like juicy conspiracy theories. Uh, I know Marco mentioned this on ATP last week as well, this idea. But it's it's funny to me, because it's sort of like, Apple, in secret, has been collecting defective chips and relabeling them as the A17. Nobody is aware of it. And then they unveil it. It's a very conspiratorial, but yet hmm. it, it's plausible. They could have, I mean, when talking about binning, you need a very large bin for all, to collect all the chips it's you're going to use bin. next year. That's a very large bin. In my mind, there's like a person in one of those bunny suits, right? And they find the chip and they just throw it over their shoulder and it lands in a big trash uh-huh. can. And like, that's where the bin chips go. <laughs> they go in oh, the oh, bin. Or it, it like lands on a big like conveyor belt. That whisks it away to the mm. to the big bin, it, the giant it's like bin. That could be a furnace, but it takes a left turn and it goes into a a big plastic bin. Go, yeah, yeah. It's like in the, where the Ark of the Covenant is in in the Indiana Jones movies. It's the uh, there's just a huge warehouse full of binned chips waiting to be born. I am going to start the petition right now that all iPads should have M chips. There should not be A chips in iPads anymore. Oh, so I think the iPad Mini should get an M3 or whatever. See. I was going to say that I think the like iPad Air will get possibly will get an A17 Pro, not an M3. So going the other way that it mm. it's going to be the iPhone chip. Surely they'll keep the Pro chips for the iPad Pros, right? They wouldn't put it in the Air. Uh, well, no, not the not the Okay, so the current Air has an M2. Yeah. Oh, you think it might get an A17 Pro? A17 Pro. Yeah, but then what about stuff like Stage Manager? They're like only M chips. Boohoo, I guess. I don't know. Oh, Jason, I, Apple's if they ways are took mysterious. away the, the uh, if they took away stage manager from the iPad Air, like I don't know what they're doing. Like the why did they add it in the first place? You know what I mean? Like we had this whole thing. It's a good already. question. Why did they add it? So, okay. <laughs> Uh, they, there are lots of things they can do. Look, I'm just trying to explore the options here. So the other yeah. option is a, a lot of people are like, next year then the A17 will come out and it'll just be the A17 Pro, but not quite as good and left over from last year maybe. Okay, they could also just call it the A18, right? They could mm-hmm. all just they could also just say next year we'll actually make two variations on this chip, uh, 17 and 18. We could do that, right? So that that's also possible. But I love this idea that um, maybe they're reserving it. And the theory that we might actually see it in an iPad, uh, also interesting, right? Like, what is the bifurcation between the A series and the M series? What does it, you know, what does it all mean? Um, Right? Like, there are fewer, there's less of everything in the A series. What is required of an iPad? And then would they make a second chip for the low-end phones, my theory there, by the way, is not that they would just make a second chip for the low-end phones, whether it's a binned A17 Pro or not. My theory is that they would make a low-end chip that would go on the low-end phones and mm. in all their embedded devices, right? That's the TV, Apple TV chip, and it's the HomePod chip, and it's what other, what other 
like the the st- maybe it's the studio display or the next generation uh, display that they're working on. Like that that's where that goes, right? Is that the super low end one where it's like we don't need to put an A17 Pro in that stuff. Maybe that's their idea, and that's the reason that you build a a second uh, lower end chip. I don't know. I don't know. It's fascinating. See, isn't this great? We could talk about this. We probably won't every week, but we we'll talk about this a lot maybe for the next. Could. We got so much follow-up about it. Maybe this is going to keep continuing. So if you do have Mm. thoughts and concerns or theories or whatever about the A17 chips, go to UpgradeFeedback.com, fill out the form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Talking about that, actually, like thoughts and feelings. Uh, We put the last episode up in full on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. It's a full video episode of like, obviously we weren't together, but it goes from me and you, you know, backwards and forwards. Um showing our video that we shoot for our video clips but in full uh mm-hmm. this is the first time we've done it this way right like we had the the one that apple shot for us at wwdc at wwdc right but that was more of a like you know and produced we, we didn't, thing we we didn't know if we were going to do this so we didn't mention it on the last week's episode mm-hmm. but what happens is we we i thought it was a big episode and we would give it a try and um because we do the clips but we do shoot the whole show so we mm-hmm. we we gave it a shot um and it's uh i, I think it turned out pretty well there's a okay. there's a process that we're experimenting with and the idea here is there's actually a uh, like some plugins that make it so that you can kind of like auto switch to whoever is talking and the question was like how did it turn out and i think the answer is it turned out really well like yeah. i am surprised how good I was waiting. I was thinking of all the ways that it could be bad. And actually it turned out pretty well. Um, and I know for a lot of people, the video, like it's two guys talking, it's not that exciting, but I do know that a lot of people, um, what put these videos on when they're working or whatever, they're at a computer. So they've yeah. got a video screen. So they have the video on. And then when something's going on, that's interesting, they'll glance over and look at us. And the rest of the time they're just listening. I think that's how a lot of video podcasts are consumed. So, so we tried it. And yeah, we definitely like to hear from people about what it is. If we, yeah, we'll see. Like it's an, ex- it's still an experiment phase now, but um, I was impressed at how fairly easy it was to do mm-hmm. in the end. In the end. This episode is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into something much larger takes work and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that are going to help you take your company to the next level. But this can be hard when your attention is pulled in different directions because that's the reality of being a boss, being a leader, having a team. You know, you want to stay big picture, but you're constantly being pulled into the small details. That's something that happens as businesses grow. I know this for myself. The team over at Electric, they understand small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges, which is why they're on hand to help with the time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device security with best-in-class device management software so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. They have employee onboarding and offboarding that's done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications, while simplified reporting allows you to achieve and maintain compliance. Electric also have proactive IT recommendations for you and an automated workflow that will make IT easier to manage for even non-technical users. If you're hearing this and you think that your company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to get started, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. I am a person who understands how to use technology. 
I do not want to do these kinds of things for people. Like this is, you're in the weeds, providing technical support. It can take a long time. Maybe it's something you've not dealt with before. And then you're not focusing on the things that you need to be focusing on. That's what Electric's all about. For listeners of this show, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash upgrade. That's electric.ai slash upgrade. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. Rumor Roundup, Jason Snow. Okay. Got a couple right. of rumors. There's one that we just had to talk about today because Mark Gurman is reporting that friend of the show, actual friend of the show, Tim Millay, has been put in yeah. charge of the blood glucose monitoring technology for an upcoming Apple Watch. So we had Tim on the show a number of times, Tim and Tom, talking about Tom. Apple Silicon Chips. And now yes. this team, which is known as the Exploratory Design Group, is being headed by Tim, P- Tim Millay. Uh, it was previously led by Bill Athas, who unfortunately died at the end of 2022. And the team has kind of been reporting to Johnny Saruji for a while. And now Tim has taken it over. I'll give a bit of additional context as a reminder. This is from Mark Gurman's report. The group working on the glucose tracker resides within Apple's semiconductor organization because the system relies on an advanced chip-based system. It uses a range of sensors to shoot lasers into the skin pew, 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 and determine how much... Th- That's actually in Mark's report. He wrote that down. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it also uses a range of sensors to shoot those lasers into the skin to determine how much glucose is present in a person's body combined with an artificial intelligence algorithm the chip can then determine a person's blood sugar pretty wild it so it's wild. it's a chi- it, it's a chip based thing which is why tim malay apparently is the is a good choice here because he's been on the chip team and worked a lot on the apple silicon transition and so which is why we talked to him um and that this is a we've talked about this before this is a huge potentially huge thing for apple right if mm-hmm. apple can get glucose monitoring via apple watch to work that opens up a lot of possibility in terms of uh, managing diabetes or uh, suggesting that people might have you know potential future you know pre-diabetes kind of conditions and like there's just a lot going on there if they can get it to work even more than that just understanding how different foods affect your blood sugar is can be helpful for everyone when it comes to just sure. like having a diet, a better, different or better diet. You're you're speaking like somebody who is working on an Apple marketing campaign and has been told that you can't make <laughs> medical claims. <laughs> no, well, I said I did this recently. So there's a there's a company in the UK called Zoe. And they provide you this whole kit, which includes wearing one of those glucose monitors for a couple of weeks. And then they can give you ideas about how different foods affect your body. So, like, we just did mm. this. And it's been very interesting. So, I mean, again, I don't know how uh, I can't speak to the efficacy from a health perspective for something like this. But it was interesting to have this information. And, like, I could see that when I'd eat certain food, it would make my blood sugar spike because we it was, like, connected to an app via Bluetooth. So, like, there mm. are benefits that people can have from this, even if diabetes isn't necessarily a going concern in their life. Like, you can still learn things about you from monitoring your blood sugar. Sounds great. Well, yeah. Tim Malay, get to it. I guess. That's pretty this cool, be, though, right? This could this be really big. big could role. be really big. This is a big yeah. job, right? Like, it seems like running this team is like, well, you're about to absolutely unlock the Apple Watch, right? Like, if you, if they can do this, we spoke about this when this rumor came out, 
the floodgates are opened, they will sell a bajillion Apple Watches if they can do this. Mm-hmm. And Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that the demand for the 15 Pro Max is far outpacing the demand for the 14 Pro Max. And due to this, the wait times for this product are pushing pretty far out into the year. This is pretty... Within a couple of hours, the Pro Maxes were going out into November after the pre-orders opened. Uh, Kuo is saying demand for the 15 and 15 Plus are on par with what they're replacing. But the 15 Pro is a little weaker year over year. The natural titanium and white titanium are the most popular finishes. I guess what this is saying is that having that extra zoom was a um, a prompt for people to get the Pro Max instead of the Pro, yep. right? There's differentiation between those two models. Yep. And where somebody might have previously opted for the Pro, they might have that moment where they're like, yeah, but I really want the... I mean, I guess I'm talking about Casey Liss here, right? He's a good example. Our friend Casey, who has been a Pro phone user but bought the Pro Max because he really wants that that 5X zoom. So Ming-Chi Kuo's report suggests that there are, I think unsurprisingly, a lot of people who are like, yeah, give me the better, better zoom. That's what, why would I yep. not want the better zoom, right? Uh, where they might have otherwise said, look, everything else being equal, I don't need the bigger screen. I don't want to pay the extra. I'd not, I'll just get the regular Pro. And then this year they're like, no, the Max has to be it because I want that fancy camera. I'm also not surprised about the fact that the natural and white titaniums are the most popular finishes because they actually look like titanium, I guess, right? Mm. Like it's if you care about the fact that the material has changed, the black and the blue one are not really necessary. Well, you can tell me, but it doesn't seem like they're particularly showing off the metal. They no, they look a lot like. I mean, you could argue that the, like the titanium is a neutral color, that it's going to be whatever they, they want it to be. And so even natural titanium is what you want titanium to look like, not really necessarily what it actually looks like. Sure. So I think it's a I think it's a style thing. Um, is this is this where I rant about the color czar again? I mean, I feel like the color czar has completely lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can say that. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about last week, but. But the, I'll save it. I'll save it for a minute. But like, I'll I'll just uh, stew in the background for a few minutes, um, and we'll get there. But I, it doesn't surprise me uh, that people like these because it's a new metal, and like, it's a. I, it doesn't surprise me because not everybody wants the dark phone or the other dark phone. So that that's okay. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about last week, though. Maybe some further reflections. But we can start hmm. with. What the colors? We... Are... No, okay. No. Well, I mean, if you want to jump right into it, you <laughs> no, can feel free. No, 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 no. Let's let's keep it let's keep it orderly here, and I'll All just right. let my color thoughts uh, build up. Uh, what devices did you order, if any? All right, as as predicted earlier on. So I bought iPhone 15 Pro. Everybody, I woke up, of course, as I do. Uh, in the morning Pacific time and all my friends who got there right like on the dot to order because Apple's trained us and they're like, oh, and this and there was an ordering problem and this and now they're back ordered and all that. And I was like, oh, geez, I guess I better go and order it now. Um, did not have a problem. Got it shipping day, oh. uh, even hours after it went on sale. And that's because I got the 15 Pro, ah. which is not as popular as the Pro Max. And I got it 256 and I got it in blue titanium. One of the 
least popular finishes, I guess. And so I had no problem. I, it was, uh, it was not an issue. I, I ordered that and I went with the blue titanium because I love my midnight MacBook air and it's sort of mm-hmm. in the ballpark of that. And I just decided to, even though I am a big fan of the black phone and I also have the black Apple watch titanium, I decided that, um, Apple's black phone is dark gray. It really is. And at that point, like, give me the blue, the dark, the dark blue kind of thing works better for me. I like it better. Um, if it was a completely like perfectly black uh, iPhone, I might be interested, but it's not. So I'm not. And then for Lauren, uh, as mentioned earlier, I got her an iPhone 15, 128 uh, green with the green fine woven case. Um, she was deeply unimpressed with the colors on offer, like deeply. And I actually said at one point, she said, where, where are the good colors? Where are the bright colors? And I said, we, you can get an iPhone 14. Jamie and Julian both have an iPhone 14. You could just get the iPhone 14. It comes in some nicer colors. And she's like, no, no. I'll. And, and in the end, she went with the, she went with the green, um, which is more of a color than some of the other colors. Hmm. How about you? Uh, I ordered a... Well, Stephen ordered for me an iPhone 15 Pro Max, mm. 512 gigabyte in natural titanium because I'm picking it up here. So he Pro got Max. on and quickly got that for me. Yeah, um, That's for launch day, which is podcast-a-thon day. So maybe we'll yeah. open our iPhones while we're live. Um, I also ordered an Apple Watch Ultra 2, which I'm picking up on Saturday uh, with the orange ocean band. I also got mm. the orange and beige trail loop and the blue flame Nike sport band. So I'm refreshing all my bands so they have a bit right. of orange in them so they can match up with the orange on the watch because the, on the Ultra 2, yeah. This is what you have to do. I also, uh, we ordered Feridina an iPhone 15 Pro 256 in blue titanium because that was what she wanted. Nice. Blue titanium club. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She's got my phone. She and I, uh, yep. Dina and I are getting the same phone. Yeah. It look. I mean, it looks nice, but I'm, I'm all into the natural color. Mike, the people the people who really love you get the iphone 15 pro 256 oh that's so saying. sweet i love that thank you i put a big smile on my face um <laughs> steven showed me yesterday he got the fine woven case came in yeah i don't like it it feels like paper Interesting. it's like a textured mm. paper and i think honestly i think they made a mistake i, I don't think that they should have gotten rid i don't th- i'm not saying they should have kept leather but i feel like they should have gone with something different, like a, a kind of kind of like maybe carbon fiber or some kind of cloth oh. material. Because the fine woven, I don't like it. I, I will. Sp- I, I feel like I need to spend more time with it. But as a case, it honestly to me, like I've I've seen and experienced and like and I've handled like cardboard, like textured cardboard. That's what this feels like. Not a fan. It's interesting because I have felt for a while now that that is what Apple's leather has been going toward too. Huh. Okay. I've, I've had a couple of Apple leather things where I thought, uh, this feels, I forget what was the last one. It might've been a band. And I thought this actually feels less like leather to me and more like bendable paper. Right. I mean, they've probably (laughs) been reducing the leather, like, uh, well, I think they have their, Yeah, maybe, but I think I think that there's also uh this is adjacent to the there there's no the leathers are lost their job last week, right? The leathers are is gone. But I, I do think that there's a style issue here too, where they have like this is the kind of fine, you know, material and they're probably consulting with people who are 
uh, textile experts and right materials experts to do all this stuff and that there's a particular take they have about this. Uh, and yeah, it may not work for people. I I thought that it worked pretty well as a facsimile in the watch bands, but I did not see a phone case when I was at the event. I only saw the fine woven watch bands and I thought that they were okay. But part of that is that they were literally in the context of what the leather bands were. They're, they're the same designs. They look exactly the same. They're just made out of a different material. Um, and maybe that doesn't work for a watch case. I don't know. Or I mean, a phone case. I don't use a case. So I don't know, but I'm looking forward to getting Lauren's probably today, right? Like, I mean, it, we're in the season where everybody gets their case before they get their phone. Mm. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what that is all about. Obviously, I'm not going to wear I'm not going to have a case on my phone because I don't like doing that. I just use a pop socket. They no. have a great magnetic pop socket now that does yeah, a great job. That's for what me. I hear. It's great. Uh, you wrote an article kind of with some reactions and stuff like that to the event. Um, now that you've kind of had a little bit more time for things to settle in, is there anything right. that you wanted to touch on or, or talk about from uh, from the event last week that maybe we didn't cover too much or in a, in a way that you'd like to adapt now? One of the things that is funny is that when you go to the event, uh, and this happened when I got back afterward um, and talked to you, is we're not in the you know discourse <laughs> The mm-hmm. internet discourse. We're in our own discourse. It's different. So yeah, well, well. So there's a whole like, what did you think about other people's reactions? And it's kind of not my business yeah. to have opinions about other people's reactions. It's my business to have reactions. Um, I, I, so really not concerned. But I'm not surprised at the reactions because these are the reactions every time, which is people have an unreasonable assumption that every Apple event that doesn't do something like radically different and change the world is boring and it's unrealistic because those happen so rarely like the last big change in iphone like really legitimately big change in iphone was the iphone 10 which was five years ago like they don't make enormous changes and while this was, in terms of the sort of like super cycle of design, a pretty minor change, because it's just go- kind of going to titanium on the pro phones. The truth is that Apple, I-, I feel like a lot of people observe an Apple event and they're basically, they want entertainment out of it. They think the purpose of the event is to keep them entertained. And it- it's not. It's a commercial for products that are being launched. It's for one of the most popular consumer products in the world, one of the most profitable, certainly, and the most important product that Apple makes. It's their opportunity to do a commercial to promote their new version so that people will run out and buy their new version. That's why it exists. And it's not Apple's job to entertain the masses. It's not a TV show, right? It's an it's an ad. And the ultimate goal is to just get their product out there and get people talking about it. So there's a lot of commentary that's like, oh, I found it really boring. And it's like, yeah, but that's kind of not the point, right? Like the point is not how bored were you by the ad? The point is what was in the ad and how's it going to sell, I think. And, And so that's what I always pay attention to there. It's like, I'm not... So people are like, oh, that that environmental video wasn't that funny and you, you said this right and went on too it, long yeah. yep and my thought was i do agree it went on too long but i understand why they did it because it's more palatable for there to be a a, a, a scripted story that 
makes the case that Apple is the only one walking the walk when it comes to environmental change in their corporate, you know, in their tech planning and their their manufacturing and all of that. And if all it was was Lisa Jackson standing on the roof saying, we're better than everyone else, unlike the competition, we're actually doing things, it's not going to come across as well. So I thought it was deft in that way, even though it was not as funny as maybe it should have been and also probably way too long. Um, so anyway, that, that was just a thought that I had. I was not surprised by it at all because it happens literally every time. I think it's funny that people think that every time there's an Apple event, they're going to change the world. When the truth is, every time there's an Apple event, people complain that it's boring. That's that's the truth. People complain that they didn't change the world every year. That's yeah. what happens every yeah. year. So it's. It, I thought it was fine. I mean, it is a... I just am surprised that every year people are like, wow, an incremental update from Apple. It's like, one, you're underselling what did get updated. Like, yep. the camera stuff is kind of big. And two, it's an incremental update every time right? Every time <laughs> with very few exceptions. So I don't know what they're looking for. I mean, I just, I have those moments where I'm like, I don't, I, you just have to accept that this is how everybody is always going to respond to an Apple event, especially an iPhone event is they have, they have like a little, uh, a little piece of paper with a checklist on it. And the checklist is one box and it's changes the world. <laughs> and then every year they get up and they tear the paper and they're like, ah, they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Except that, you know, if you're buying a phone for the first time in four years, it's a pretty awesome improvement. And that's really what they're trying to do is sell you on a phone upgrade. It is interesting to me specifically when people in our industry make the case of like, oh, it's only iterative. Like that is the thing that's so surprising to me. It's just like, what were you... What, what do you think Apple does? Or like, <laughs> but like, what what would you? What does any large tech company do now? Like, if they're not launching a brand new product that didn't exist before, they're iterating each year on the existing thing, right? Like, when Apple makes a foldable iPhone, that will be a huge deal. But like, until sure. then, every iPhone is just going to get a little bit better than the one before, which has been the way it's been maybe for the last ten years. Yeah, I think some people remember what happened 10 years ago, right? I think some people remember those heady, and they were heady early days of the smartphone era, where we had perhaps the most relevant to people's lives and society and everything tech product ever, tech tech category ever mm-hmm. happened. And in those first few years, everything is cutting edge. Everything, they are iterating rapidly and adding features to the software and adding features to the hardware. And it was really exciting because the world was changing. We were changing from a world where no smartphones were in it to a world where the smartphone is everywhere. And it's assumed that if you want to park somewhere, you have to have your phone because you need to use an app to park, right? Like it, it is, we've gone from point A to point B here. Those early days were really exciting, but like they're over and they've been over for a long time now. And I get, like, I get it. I would love, I mean, it would be exhausting because the world would change so much that we would not recognize it anymore. But uh, sure, change the world every time, right? Like, they just did an event where they in, where they put in, like, the spatial computer VR headset thing, right? And yet the very next event, people are like, uh, boring. Like, okay, sure. All right, fine. You, you can be bored. It's fine. I'm just saying, I think your expectations are unrealistic because what Apple does is John Ru- Gruber wrote like 
15 years ago now is iterate. They roll. That's what they do. They just kind of push it forward. And it's very rare that they give it a big push. It's mostly a bunch of little small pushes. And then you look up four years later and you're like, oh, wow, this phone is like, like Lauren is going to have a very different experience with her Mm -hmm. iPhone 15 than with her 10s, right? It's going to be dramatically different and better uh, because it's, you know, four years later. When I was coming through customs, I was talking to the customs agent. He asked me what I did. I explained what I do. And he's like, shall I upgrade to the iPhone 15? And I was like, well, what you got now? He's like, an iPhone 12. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have a great time. And he's like, oh, yeah. should I have to get the Pro one, though? I'm like, I don't think it matters. Like, if you've got the 12 now and you go to the regular 15, you're going to love it. Like, it's going to be an upgrade yeah. in every way for you. Just helping out one person at a time, Jason. You know what I mean? I I, I love it. You're bringing your your uh, your knowledge to America, mm-hmm. helping out <laughs> I'm, the customs. I'm importing it. I'm importing the knowledge. There was nobody in America that could have helped with the answer to that question. Um, no. I have been getting quite worked up about the GPUs that they put into mm-hmm. the A17 Pro. I'm very intrigued to see realistically what this phone can do, and I'm I'm what very keen to see what what the kind of gaming experience will be. I mean, I've, I think I've been seeing some headlines that like Apple has been doing a bit more press about like they think they have the most powerful games console now with the iPhone 15 Pro. I'm not <laughs> sure I, I believe that, but hey, we'll see. But th- just in general, I am finding myself very, very intrigued about what this technology beefed up, enhanced and brought to the Mac is actually going to be like. I'm I'm really really intrigued by it. Yeah, the uh the the sort of question zen question that I asked in my piece was did Apple build CPU cores to make the iPhone better at running console level games? Or does the iPhone run console level games because Apple was set on building a better set of GPU cores? And the reason I phrase it that way is because it my guess is that this is more a byproduct of Apple wanting to up its GPU game across the board yes but especially on the Mac that's my sort of gut feeling is like iPhone being a great game playing device and being able to play like essentially console games on your iPhone I think is huge right but I wonder if it's part of a bigger picture, I guess, is what I'm really saying. That they were, they were, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're Apple, you say, boy, the iPhone, its GPU just, sure, it blows away all other devices in its category, but you know what it could do is blow away consoles. Let's do that. Let's make a GPU for that. Or if it's a broader issue of like, this is where we're lagging, especially on the, on the uh, Mac side. Where the GPU is lagging, so we need to put some extra effort into the GPU side of it. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But um, the potential here is huge. I'm very intrigued by it. Like I'm just like this. This is the thing I'm going to have my uh, my eyes on most for the next Max, like the next Pro chips. But like, what is this going to look like? Very intrigued. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to touch on? You want to talk about the colors? Are 
one quick thing about the satellite. I just wanted to mention again. Uh, I love that they keep kicking the the can down the road for the satellite stuff, and we just don't know what happens next year. And this mm-hmm. idea of are they going to make people pay? Like, <laughs> what you don't want to be is in the sense of like, oh, be shame if you got trapped somewhere with your iPhone and you hadn't paid us, so you better pay us. I can't see them doing that, but I, I think there needs to be a long term plan. It, they may not know, right? Like, because the number of people using the satellite services that have access to the satellite services is going to explode now with these two new models because everybody who gets it, unless they're upgrading from last year, they're all going to be new on the satellite system. And so the the presumably the volume is just going to go way up again. And what is, what, you know, d- does the satellite network have the capacity to deal with that? I don't know. So um, they may just be waiting and seeing themselves, but I do wonder because they're, they're they very specifically said free for the first two years last year. And so those phones will run out of two years next fall. What happens then? And we just don't know. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to watch. Yep. And then I'll, I'll get to it here, which is just like, uh, has anybody seen the colors are? Has the colors are disappeared? Is the colors are being controlled by some sort of Rasputin like figure who is opposed to color on either moral or philosophical grounds? I don't know. But we here at the Upgrade Program have been somewhat critical of Apple's decisions regarding color in their products over the years. But honestly, this this event takes the cake. Like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the four. Okay. I almost get the four shades of gray in the pro phones only because they've worn me down about pro phones always being boring in all facets. And maybe there are limitations of titanium that, that are part of this. Okay. But the, the regular phones like they're, I, everybody can have their own opinion about color. I think they're super boring. I think they're all super boring. Mm. And I don't understand why you don't give people choice because I know whenever we talk about color, we hear from people who are like, I don't want a colorful product, right? That's what they say in that tone of voice. It's like, we're not saying you don't get to have what you want. We're saying that anybody who wants a colorful product has no choice because Apple refuses. They have made the most mute set, muted set of colors for these iPhones in ages. They're just dull. They're very pastel. They're very Easter egg colored and the, the the kind you don't leave in for very long. So it's just a trace. The camera bump is nice, but even that is a subtle thing that is best mm-hmm. appreciated sort of close up. I just, I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I don't understand how the same company that made those iMacs, the M1 iMacs made these phones. And I don't understand how the company that made the iPhone XR in coral, how, how some of the iPhone 11s and 12s and 13s and 14s <laughs> made these boring colors. I don't get why there are no choices. Like Lauren's comment was literally, there aren't any good colors. And I don't disagree with that. There, there are, if you like them, that's fine. But again, my point is, if you want something bright, don't buy an iPhone 15, essentially, because you're not going to get it. Even the yellow is just the faintest yellow. Like, it's just, it, it gives give people some choice. They shouldn't all scream. They shouldn't all be muted. And I, I don't, like, I really don't know what they're doing. 
Um, and I'm very, very disappointed in the in the decisions that they made here. I don't. I just. I, we're going to keep talking about it because it's the thing that that frustrates us. But I I just feel like I'm losing more and more hope over time. Like I had hope with the right. IMAX. Like the IMAX gave me hope. Oh, oh, don't. I mean. Don't get me started. Like there are all these rumors, thanks to Mark Gurman, that there are new IMAX in the pipeline fairly soon. I'm now really concerned that they're going to roll it out and it's going to be like it comes in midnight and starlight. Good luck. And that that's it. And that they've completely that's my concern is that they whatever brief moment in the sun that they had for those M1 IMAX that they're like clamping down and they're going to throw it back in the dungeon and say, nope, back to boring. Um, I, I just, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cause that's where I am. I despair now. I despair for the future of colorful products from Apple. I feel like whatever moment was happening, they, it feels like they've just decided, no, no, too much. Let's, mm-hmm. let's pull it back. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Have you ever been on the hunt for a new doctor? You ask everyone around you for a good recommendation, right? And you want to see what other people are doing. It makes sense. You want a doctor who will understand you, who's going to listen to you, make time for you, and make you feel comfortable. Like you'll search for weeks and weeks and weeks. Then you end up finding that one doctor. They meet the requirements that you're looking for. They have something extra too. You call their office to make an appointment, and then there are no appointments. The perfect doctor, they don't take your insurance as well. Look, don't worry. Head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance. That's what you're looking for. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition that you're searching for. These doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even get same-day appointments. You find the doctor that you want, you book them immediately with just a few taps, no more awkwardly waiting on the hold of a receptionist. I hate trying to book doctor's appointments because then you have to go in and sit in a waiting room and wait for hours. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. I love to do things virtually. You can do that with ZocDoc as well, but this is just a vastly better experience than the typical ways, the old ways of trying to find a doctor. ZocDoc's the new way. It's the best way. Go to ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That is ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. ZocDoc.com slash UpgradeFM. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time for the B-Tales. Woohoo! Might be the last Shipping time. edition. <laughs> we have decided like what happens to the B-Tales after this season. Maybe if there's more B-Tales, we'll talk about them. But this is like, yeah. I'm fi- maybe this is the swan song for the B-Tales because iOS 17, iPadOS 17, TVOS 17, and WatchOS 10 are all out today. I thought that we could take a look at some of our favorite features yeah, that we found that we have in some of them. So I want you to start actually, because you published. So I say you published your review on six colors yes. of iPad OS and some of the um, the the overall features. Uh, Dan published his iOS 17 review, and I've also put a link in the show notes to Federico's review over at Mac Stories. Of course, there's a ton of mm-hmm. great coverage, and you can go and find them from your favorite outlets. Dig in. Uh, we're gonna alternate. Is that what we're gonna do? Yeah. We should uh, do that. I would like you to talk about the one that you have on top because it's the iPad thing. 
Sure. I'm just interested about this. Yeah. So the iPad got the lock screen. I mean, it's very much we're in this we're in this uh, situation where we have the um, iPad trailing a year behind the iPhone in a lot of cases. Like a lot of iPad features are like, hey, this is a thing that it finally got that the iPhone didn't, and uh, so that the iPhone got last year. So lock screen. Um, it, it finally came. The customizable lock screen finally came to the iPad. So it's got, uh, you know, you can put widgets on there and you can actually put way more widgets than you could ever possibly put on an iPhone, which is kind of funny. Um, you can do a giant stack of widgets. Um, they've got all the things that the iPhone has where you can have it shuffle through pictures of your family or shuffle through pictures of nature. And they've got this live photo feature that's really nice where they'll suggest live photos to you that they've like algorithmically decided might be good, but they can also take any of your live photos and they like process them to try and stabilize them and have them be like in the, in the form for the lock screen. And it's really cool. Um, so you set a live photo as your uh, lock screen. And when you, uh, you know, lift up your iPad, open it up, whatever the live photo animates to the end of it in the lock screen and then you swipe up and then it can be your wallpaper and all that. Mm. And I've had that all summer and I really like it. Um, and, and yeah, the widgets, uh, less useful because lock screen widgets are less useful. And also yep. there's the fact that, you know, you're usually not dwelling on your lock screen. You're usually just flipping up and going to the, the, um, the regular, uh, home screen. But, I really, really like the um, the changes that they made to the lock screen. They're just it's so, so much more dynamic that you can shuffle between photos, that you can do all those effects. It's mm-hmm. all the stuff uh, that the iPhone had last year and a little bit more. Um, I really like it. So this is interesting to me because we just have a different experience. Like I never think about the lock screen of my iPad. So like I use an iPad yeah. Mini, right? Like for me, the lock screen is always in my way to the thing that I want to do. So it's just maybe like, do you have your iPad like out and visible a lot? Like, do you see the lock screen? I don't. I okay. usually have it. It's in a it's in a cover. But yeah. what happens is when I wake it up, mm-hmm. it animates the little lock screen, and then I swipe it away, and like mm-hmm. the animation is it's just kind of delightful. The widgets are less useful, although it does mean that I can sort of do a a tap for status like you can on an iPhone. And um, tap for status and sort of see what's going on. But I that's not uh, generally what I use. It. Live activities are there now too. That's part of this. And like again, I very rarely am am seeing anything that's on my lock screen, even notification center. I'm I'm mostly just passing through on the way to the home screen. But um, it is it is uh, much more delightful. And when your i the other thing to remember is when your iPad is unlocked and you're at the home screen, if there are things you want to see like widgets or notifications, all, the entire lock screen appears when you swipe down from the top. That's your notification center, but it's also your lock screen. So all the widgets show up and everything when you swipe down. Uh, even when you're unlocked, you can see everything. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I would say I don't like the widgets on the iPad that much. I like where they've done it. Like I like the little sidebar. It's kind of cool, but it's just not incredibly useful. I mean, I think if there was an always-on display on the iPad, would be to, would be having a different conversation. I think. Sure. Um. And and I think the magnitude of of how you use the lock screen of your iPad versus your iPhone, it's like it's just not at the same magnitude as um as the iPhone. 
And so it's nice though. But I'll tell you that little little effect. They Apple, because the macOS stuff, which we'll talk about when macOS comes out, is similar where Apple has done some real fit and finish to do to say things like, you know, we have animations of things. Could we integrate those? into places that you see them that can provide some delight in using your device. And um, the lock screen on the iPad is a place that they've injected a little bit of delight. But we've spent, uh, I will say this, we have spent way more time on this um, compared to other features than it deserves. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> let's, so let's do that and let's go like uh, Ram Robin between the two of us. Yep. Uh, I love the new sticker stuff. Um, I, I love how you can create stickers from photos for me it's very good for memes between friends and loved ones like you mm-hmm. get a funny picture of someone turn it into a sticker and then you can send it to them like i just think it's hilarious uh i really like emoji my top tip for this by the way um you can i'd forgotten about this maybe everybody knows this but i'd forgotten uh, you can just from the emoji keyboard in messages yeah. you can just drag them out stickers you don't need to like add a sticker or anything so it's very easy to do uh i'm still super excited for this to come to tap backs like stickers as tap backs that's coming later we'll talk about some other features that are coming later in a bit um but that's really great so i'm, I'm a big fan of this feature i like the little uh, effects and animations you can put on them yeah it's really good <laughs> let's see i've got i just sent you a sticker by the way i hope you enjoy it let me take a look that's a good sticker. It's a sticker of my face. Thank you. <laughs> it's a sticker reacting to uh to it's a live sticker, right? Because it's that it's that pho- photographic uh whatever. I don't know. It, it's good stuff. I like it. Um okay. Uh stage manager. Hey, remember stage manager that people were just dis- disappointed with last time? Yep. Remember that? Yep. They got it right. I mean, that's the short version is I used to try stage manager especially on an external display, but even just on the main display with a keyboard and, and a trackpad attached and just say, no, no, I, like I couldn't stay in it because I would try to move things around and they wouldn't go. And I'd be like, why am I even doing this? And I would bail out. I used stage manager last year almost entirely for my work in the sense of experiencing stage manager and not for my work in the sense of doing work that makes sense Mm -hmm. like i use stage manager so i could say i used stage manager but that was it and they changed all sorts of things the big things are the grid that you have to there's an invisible grid essentially that you can place windows on um it's so it's so small now that basically you can put a window wherever you want there are occasions where it moves a little bit they're mostly about alignment I actually wonder if there's a real grid there or not, or if they're doing what they are with widgets on the desktop on the Mac, which is not worrying about where you put a window unless it's in proximity to another window where it sort of lines it up a little bit for you. Mm. So like what I found in stage manager is the only time it would move my windows at all is if I had a window behind and then I was putting this window kind of in front of it partly. Um, but it was the top of the window was almost aligned with the window right next to it. It would sort of push it up and align it. Okay, but um, only just tiny amounts. Basically, you can put it anywhere. And my big complaint about Stage Manager last year was I I put Windows in places that the system just I fought the system all the time. Right, the system has made some decisions about how I want to act, and it's like no, you can't do that. It's like I I wanted to put a window in the center and then another window behind it off to the left, and they're like no, those windows go side by side. When there's two windows, they go side by side. It's like I don't want that, and it wouldn't do it. And now 
the system is like, whatever you want. Put that window over there. Put this other window over here. They did a really great job. Their fear, I suspect, all along was that they were afraid people were going to lose windows behind other windows. But they built this adorable little system where the window, the behind window, sticks out the edge hey, of hey the window there. that's covering it. It's like, I'm here. I'm still here. And if you tap, if you tap or click on it, it moves back to where it was. It moves ahead of the window that was covering it and then goes back exactly where it was. It doesn't move. It's just peeking out to let you know that it's there, Um, which I think is a really great idea because we know that a lot of less sophisticated users, the problem with a multi-window interface is they lose windows. They're covered by other windows and they don't know they're there. And that's why Mm -hmm. we have like expose and all these things is to try to solve this problem. And I actually kind of wonder if we're going to see this on the Mac at some point, this idea of the the poke out window that's like, I'm here too. I'm here too. Uh, just enough for you to not lose it. It's a, it, I think they did a great job with that. And then they added shift click in so many different places now where if you want to add an item to a space from the dock, from, from spotlight, from, like pretty much anywhere, you can shift click on it and it just adds it in your space, which makes managing, or a stage, I guess, managing the stages that much easier and that much more natural feeling. Combine that with the ability to minimize, which sends it to the sidebar or to close it or to go full screen. It all starts to fit together in a way that, you know, that might, the short version TLDR stage manager was incredibly frustrating and I didn't want to use it last year. And this year it absolutely works. And I could, I could spend lots of time. I could work on a, on an iPad attached to a 27 inch monitor. Now I could actually do it. In fact, I did it for a couple of days, a few weeks ago. Uh, and I couldn't do that before. I would pull my hair out. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I really like contact posters. So it's the feature of basically making yeah. a contact card look like a lock screen, you know, like where you can make a fun image and you can put the name there and stuff like that. Um, I like that you can do it for yourself. I like that you can share it with other people and people can share theirs with you. I also like that you can set contact posters for people as well. Like if you've got a particularly nice photo that you enjoy, of a person, like most of my contact images for my friends and family are photos from our wedding, even though people would like to have different images for themselves, right? So like they'll share with you. I like seeing the pictures of my loved ones at our wedding. Um, And so I most of the time will keep those, but I do like that people can share them and sometimes I change them over. I I do like the contact posters feature is bringing something new to contacts Mm -hmm. who could have imagined. Right. And, and, uh, makes the, somebody's calling you kind of a little, mm-hmm. just a little more delightful. Right. I, I feel like somebody went through, uh, the, the iOS and iPad OS interfaces and said, and there are no contact posters on the iPad OS, by the way, that'll be next year. Right. Um, oh and said, we've got all these photos of people and we've got like, can we make these nicer? The contact posters are literally like the lock screen taken and applied to contact posters. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. They use the same technology that's in those custom lock screens. And it's such a good idea because they're like, hey, what if we made this thing nicer instead of it being like, because the contact stuff comes from an era, I feel like where it was like, oh boy, pictures. Wow. We can't really load those pictures. There's a lot of pictures and they're big and we can't really load them. And can we do a, like a little square that has a person in it? And can we leave it at that? And like, it was from an earlier era and now we live in an era where it's like, sure, we'll, we'll we'll have thousands and tens of thousands of photos and they'll have animations in them and we'll be able to detect the outlines of them. And like, yeah, we live in that era now. Enrich it, make it nicer, make it more delightful. And they have all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
let's see what else. Uh, health app on the iPad. Okay. I know you've used some of the new health features on mm-hmm. the health app. Yeah. I just really like that the health app is on the iPad so that I can take all my data about my activity and workouts and stuff like that. And I am, I've said before, I am far more likely to be using my iPad than my iPhone when I think about like, oh yeah, I want to check in about that. And I realize that I can't get to my own health data, even though I'm wearing my Apple watch at the time, right? Because it's just like, no, 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 that goes on your iPhone. And they built a system where you can now sync, choose to sync. You have to choose and approve it to sync your health data to other devices as well. And, uh, and so you get these nice big, there's like a sidebar now and you get these nice big charts and graphs and stuff in on the iPad, which is great. I have yet to check out the health app on the iPad. I forgot that it existed, but I like that. You yeah, well, like it's, it. It's new. Yeah. It's new, but you, you tried some of the other stuff out, right? Like they have, yeah. the, they have the mood, emotion yeah, the mood kind of tracking. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke about this a bit on Cortex. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it is a very good first try for this. I hope that they add a bit more. Um, I think that the the UI is really good. The reminders are really good. But I think it's lacking a little bit on allowing you to add simple context, context to some of the prompts. So like, you know, you say you might be stressed and you can kind of talk about what's making you stressed and why it's making you feel that way. They have little buttons that you can press to kind of like, oh, I'm upset about this. But I didn't feel like there were enough enough options like the the one that i spoke about on cortex is i was stressed about something uh we having some improvement works done on the home and it wasn't going very well and i what i wanted to say was that like you know you could say stressed and feeling anxious and it's like what is making you feel that way and there was nothing for home for example like it, right. it was they were like very very like i feel like way too specific and you could write something of your own but only after you'd chosen one of the options and so i, I felt like uh, there were barriers to me being able to adequately talk about what was making me feel a certain way. So I would like to see them do more in that department uh, in the future. But like, I think as a, yep. as a first step, the mood tracking, uh, I think it's really good. I think they've done a good job of it. It's good. Um, so is it me again now? Yes. And just co-opt one. Standby. Standby is probably my favorite feature of iOS 17. Um, I love that I can put my phone on a charger on my desk and now I can get like information from it. I just think it's so cool. There are so many apps that are being updated with some really nice uh, standby widgets. And so I can get you know my next calendar event. I can see what time is running um, and I can see photos from you know like albums and stuff or yeah, like Widgetsmith. I have some Widgetsmith ones in there so I can get some like photos running from my albums. I just think it's fantastic. Like I really, really love standby. Um, and it's that alone has made me a MagSafe charging person because it's just mm. so awesome, so convenient. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's really good. I keep running. I, I'm withholding judgment a little bit because it's been in the beta period, and also you know the apps that use it keep shifting, and I can't decide whether that's because the apps are in beta as well and they're getting updated in test flight and things like that. My frustration with it has mostly been. I pick widgets and I turn off all the suggestions and everything. And then I come back later and the widget that I had in there is gone and it's been replaced by some random other widget. Oh, that's weird. I have not had that problem. <laughs> I hate it. I that's hate really it. So strange. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. There was a moment where I had a, uh, I had a time widget, a clock widget, and suddenly it was, uh, it was heads or tails from PCALC from dice mm. by PCALC. Mm-hmm. And, and so I walked in instead of the time, it said, 
Tails. <laughs> like, That's what? Good. Tails o'clock. You never know when you're going to need to flip a coin. And I mm-hmm. can't, so I have to use Dice by Peacock to do it. So... Uh, I, that is a bug that has bugged me, (laughs) but I like the idea. I, I'm also intrigued by the idea of standby since it will do like, uh, media playback and stuff like that. Standby as a, a thing you could potentially use like in a car if you don't have car play. Um, Mm. if you, if you have it sideways and, and plugged in, it doesn't actually have to use MagSafe. I don't think, I think it just needs to be plugged in. You could actually have it as like a little media dashboard. I believe if I'm remembering correctly from Federico's review that he tried to do this and it did not work. Interesting. When, because in the movement, it would shut off standby. Oh, the movement shuts it off. That is fascinating. Well, I I think that one of the, on my to-do list for Apple is I feel like. I know Apple wants every car to have CarPlay, but not every car does have CarPlay. And of course, we know that GM is not planning on having CarPlay on any of their future electric cars. I wonder, like, they it feels very close to me to them having essentially like a car interface on the iPhone for people who don't have uh, CarPlay. Like, Maps already does it. Standby kind of, those widgets are kind of in the ballpark as well. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if there might be a way for them to do something that was either like CarPlay or actually CarPlay on an iPhone uh, if you're in a car without CarPlay. But anyway, uh, I like standby. I think it's good. I have a I have the Belkin charger um, that also has the little AirPods charger on the bottom of it. And it's pretty cool and it's pretty cute. I haven't decided where it's going to live long-term. Right now it's out in the in the kitchen, um, where which is why I've been using it sort of as a clock in there. Um, I don't know about putting it on my desk or not. I I might do that, but um, it's a great feature. It's a really cool use of. This is another example of Apple just using all that widget technology, right? The the uh, they built this new generation of widgets. They continue to update it. This whole OS generation has the the interactive widgets as well, and it's a great example of Apple just sort of like taking building this one technology and then exploding it into all these different places on all of its platforms. It's very good. Speaking of which, interactive widgets in general, I love them. I feel like this is something that we're going to see a lot more of over yes. the next yeah. couple of yeah. weeks. That on a note, actually, like we're talking about a lot of things today, but over the next few weeks, there will be more third-party apps that are coming out. Like iOS, I don't even know if it's out at the time we're recording this, but it is coming out today. Um, yeah, I think it may have started rolling out already. But So we'll be covering over the next few weeks some stuff that we like but from an interactive widget perspective the home widget i love just being able to turn lights mm-hmm. on and off timery is fantastic joe has just done an incredible job like one of my favorite things that joe has done is the ability to have like scrollable information inside of a widget it's like if you have a bunch of save timers you can have a backwards and forwards button to page through all of your timers uh, Widgetsmith has just got some wild ones. Underscore has built Coverflow as a music widget, which is wild. But mm-hmm. my favorite is you can one of one of the the widgets that I always really like is a countdown timer. So you can have like a countdown to a certain event, and you could put an image behind that countdown timer. Well, now with the countdown timer widget and a bunch of others, you can hide information behind the widget. So I have like an image right now of last year's podcastathon on my home screen, and when I tap it. It slides up and I get the countdown until the podcast is done. And I'm going to do that for oh. vacations too. So I can have an image of the place where I'm going on holiday. I can tap it. The image of the thing slides up and it's underneath. Underscore, as you can imagine, has built some truly incredible things in Widgetsmith. Um, and Fantastic Owl as well. Uh, I've been using their one, but I don't know if it's out yet. So I'm going to talk about it too much. So what 
strikes me about this, the interactive widget thing, is that I feel like we are potentially entering an era where Apple is sort of saying there are lots of interactions you can do with apps that you don't need to do in the app, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like this. I like this idea that maybe your home screen is no longer a place where you just launch apps or launch apps and look at information, but it's actually a place where you do things Mm -hmm. and that the full-on app, for some apps, not all apps are appropriate for this, but like for some apps, that the full-on app itself is sort of like the place you go when you really have to get into it, but that you don't have to go there for a whole class of uh, particular actions. And I just, I think that's fascinating because before it was always like, like, look, you launch apps and then you use the apps and then you leave the apps. And now Apple's sort of saying, no, you know, you have little bits of the apps that are just out here and you could, you could put, you know, on a page on your iPhone home screen, you could put three widgets and swipe there and then be like, okay, I'm going to tap this thing and I'm going to tap that thing. And I'm going to, you know, I'm done with a task. So I'm going to tap done on reminders and then tap uh, to a new, you know, tap off or to a new thing on timery. And then you move on and like, you never open those apps, but you checked off your reminder or to do or whatever app you're using. And you also changed your time tracking. Like that's an interesting shift in philosophy to say, opening the apps is not the way you have to interact with them. In fact, Mm -hmm. some apps, I would imagine you might, you know, it might be very rare that you need to go in because the stuff you use them for is out on that top level and on a widget somewhere. The Fantastic L1 is out and like effectively on on one of the widgets, the widget type that I use, they now have the ability to go like, you can skip month to month, right? So one thing that I always want to know is what day is this date? So I can see that. So I can see that like, I can just tap forward to October and see that the 27th of October is a Friday. But it also shows you a preview of the events that you have on those days. So it's like, that is something that I open the app for a lot that I now don't need to open the app for. So yeah, I'm really excited to see more of these roll out over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, I expect my home screens are going to change all over again because of interactive widgets. Um, let me, let me do a couple real quick. Um, proximity sharing. I want to mention because Mm -hmm. this is the other shoe dropping about Apple turning off the ability to accept an air, an airdrop from anyone. Right. You, You used to be able to be, you know, and it was dangerous, but you could say, oh, yes, accept an airdrop from anyone. And they changed it. And there was all that talk about how China wanted them to change it and all of that. This is the other shoe dropping there, because what this is saying is if you're in a situation where there's somebody who's not in your contacts, you have not approved them, but they want to share something with you and you're together, what you do is you put one phone in proximity to the other. It's they're looking for your approval. This is how you have a consensual airdrop. So you put them together and then there's a little pulsating animation and you say, all right, now I'm going to share this thing with you. And it's, I really think this is smart. This is the idea. You, you're not in my contacts. I can't airdrop this to you directly, but we agree you're going to send me that picture and we essentially tap phones and then the picture gets sent. Really smart. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's a good way of also taking software Chrome even if you're in the context, taking software Chrome and taking many taps out of the process, you know, if if I take a picture 
and my mom, you know, I'm visiting my mom and she's like, oh, can I have that picture right now? Um, I can do that. And it just pops up with her. But if she takes a picture and wants to send it to me, it's a whole thing, right? Where she texts it to me, but I really want the airdrop version and all that. Well, with this, you just bring your phones together and then it says, yeah, okay, I'll send that. It's just, it's a really nice, it's really well done. Um, there's a, maybe a little bit of a learning curve, but like the idea that you use your interface is how you place your phone in the real world. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I think that's really good. Um, and then I want to mention your favorite TVOS. Yeah, my fave. I think continuity camera support in TVOS is, it points at potentially future Apple products, but I think it's a game changer. The idea that you can put a camera on a table or on top of your TV, or like an iPhone on your table or on your top of your TV, and then just sit in front of the TV and do a family chat with other people using FaceTime or whatever, like it's such a good idea. And the execution is so good. It's using the your iPhone back camera to do center stage and zoom in on you. I used this um, a few times over the summer. It's really, really impressive. And what it makes me want, of course, is a device where there's an integrated camera or there's a little continuity camera you can you can leave permanently somewhere. Um, but using your iPhone works okay. I, I use the same Belkin adapter that I, or little uh, mount that I can put on top of my studio display. It goes on top of my TV too. It looks so good. Uh, sounds good. Like it's, it's really good. I, I have been using FaceTime, but I can't wait to use this with something like Zoom where we do a family Zoom every other week. Yeah. Like yeah. to do this, and we do it in the living room, but we just have like an iPad or a or a MacBook sitting on the table and the angle isn't very good. And like, just put it on the TV. It's such a great idea. So I really like how they've executed it. It looks really good. Um, but it also makes me wonder what, you know, do they have a broader strategy here uh, down the road? Because they're building the pieces. But even as it is today, you got to have a, you got to have an Apple TV 4K and it's got to be one of the two most recent versions, I think, not the first version. So there's some limitations, but boy, it's really good. I'm very impressed. Uh, I like the new autocorrect. I think it's very effective. I think it's doing a really good job. Um, I'm also in, I mean, I'm like, I've been trying out some of the AirPods stuff. The conversational awareness feature is really interesting where you can be listening to audio or something and you start talking and it will either turn the volume down, it will take you off of noise cancellation, and I think it's really cool. The one issue I've had right now is if I'm listening to something on my AirPods while I'm brushing my teeth, sometimes it activates conversational <laughs> awareness, which is not what I'm looking for in that moment. And I'm really intrigued about what it is exactly that is making it do that. My experience with it is that I, I, when I'm walking the dog, I have to give her feedback. And every time yeah. I tell something to the dog, it, it just drops me down because it thinks, oh, you're, you're yeah. having a conversation. It's like, I'm not, it's, it's a, it's just my voice. And I, I'm hoping that maybe a future version of this is a little more aware of sort of like the sounds. It's not just me, but like that there's another voice happening, that there's interaction happening because I heard somebody else said uh, when they sing along with the music, it dims the music. It's like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, that's no, not don't good. Do that. That's not good. So I turned it off. I, I Adaptive audio is one of those things like, I, uh, well, adapted audio I love, 
That's a new feature. I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure about adaptive audio yet. I use that instead of transparency now, adaptive audio, um, because it is essentially better transparency algorithm. You can hear everything that's around you, and yet it's suppressing stuff that uh, is just kind of like uh, a broadband tone. It's just sort of like always there. So it's not noise canceling. And on a plane, I'll use noise canceling. But when I'm running, I use adaptive audio and I like it. Conversational awareness, I turned off because... I'm talking to the dog when I'm walking the dog. And it worked great on an airplane when I was talking to the flight attendant or talking to my family. It was great. And I could turn it on for that. But mostly I'm walking the dog <laughs> all the time. I'm always walking the dog and I, I have to give her commands and it thinks that I'm having a conversation. Yeah. Maisie doesn't talk back, right? Like yeah. it's not a conversation that's been going on there. And I understand that that's hard, but I just had to turn it off. But, um, but the adaptive audio... I like the um then there's the adaptive the the volume thing. That's the, the volume the control. Volume. I like that. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. So this is super interesting. Everyone I'm talking to about all this new AirPods stuff has very different views. So like for me with adaptive audio, what I'm finding is when I'm out in the street, I have the feeling of noise cancellation. You know, you get like noise cancellation has a feeling, right? Like it has like a pressure yeah. to it. I feel like that's happening more than I want. Like I, I, I'm feeling that I'm under noise cancellation, even though I can hear things more. But it's doing like a little mixture of it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold on it, but I'm still under testing for adaptive. Like audio. I said, I think what it's doing is it's taking like. So I live by a freeway, right? So there's a little background hiss of the freeway, you know, mm -hmm. all the time. It takes that out because that's just an unchanging background sound, Un unchanging kind of like air sound. But if a car is coming, I can hear it crystal clear that a car is coming. Yeah. And I like that, right? Because that's why I'm wearing them. And that's why they were in transparency mode before. So all it's doing is it's a little nicer transparency mode. But I'll tell you why I don't like the personalized volume thing is I don't notice it. Maybe it's working for me in certain scenarios and I'm just not noticing it. And then great. That's great. But where I notice it is that I'm listening to something at a perfectly good volume and then it suddenly just lowers the volume a mm. lot. And I'm mm. like, what are you doing? Like I'm listening. It happens to me when I'm go about to go out the door uh, with the dog and I'm listening to a podcast and I, uh, I'm, I'm getting the leash and I'm getting ready to go. And then my podcast gets real quiet and I roll my eyes and I make the podcast louder so I can hear it. And like, if that's, if if that's all I'm noticing, I just have to turn it off because it's not working right. It's not doing it right. Anything else you wanted to talk about in uh, iOS? Yeah. Um. If you speaking of my dog, uh, pets are finally in photos, so it's yep. it's people and pets now everywhere instead of just pets. Uh, that made my that was my big challenge for uh, updating my book about the photos app. <laughs> Every reference to people is now people and pets, but it works and it works pretty well. It's not perfect, but then the people detection isn't perfect either. But they obviously have some sort of like animal um, algorithm for dogs and cats that try to identify them and differentiate them, and it does pretty it does pretty well. My so I have a tortoiseshell cat who's uh got the sort of orange and black coloring and a and a modeled sort of split face uh modeling kind of thing going on orange on one side black on the other and there was a cat that we met several times in our neighborhood many years ago who is the same kind of cat and that cat showed up in the collection for my cat 
And I, I mean, you just click and you say, this is not that cat. And then they go not away. I thought that was interesting. Whereas a very similar cat showed up. However, um, I had two black cats um, and they are black cats, right? They're, they're slightly different, right? They're different, but it did a really good job of differentiating between them. Now, I suspect one of the things that their algorithm is doing is looking at time, right? Mm -hmm. I suspect that part of what they're doing is saying, well, these cats are not quite the same. And all of this cluster of the cat that looks kind of like this is in this five-year span. And all of the cluster of the cat that looks kind of like this is in this 10-year span. I think these are different cats, right? I think that it's doing some of that too, but it worked pretty well. Like, I think I look through the photos and I'm like, is that tie or rocket? And it's like, oh, that's rocket. But like, I have to pause. And so the fact that Apple's algorithm has done a serviceable job on taking similarly, similar looking pets and differentiating them. uh, And it is great to be able to just click on a on a, on a dog and say, here are all the pictures of your dog, which mm. before you had to like search for dog and then you get your dog and other people's dogs and all of that, which is less good. So uh, good feature, like it. So there are a selection of features coming later to iOS 17, some small, some big. I feel like this year there's maybe a bunch more big fo- features than there have been before. So I mentioned sticker tap backs. The airdrop feature where you can walk away from someone from the proximity and have it complete the transfer over the internet is coming later. Yeah. All of the music playlist collaboration features are coming later. The PDF form detection is coming later and the journaling app. It's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Sticker tapbacks is the one that I want desperately. Me too. Because I want to be able to do emoji tapbacks yep. of any emoji. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I wonder what that interface will look like how it'll work and all of that. But I mean, we may get there pretty soon because sometimes oh. what happens if you're living the beta life, and this is why we might be doing details again next week. True. Uh, you live Point the, one. you live the beta life. They put out a new beta when they ship the old one, and then they do the beta of the next one. And all those features get imported that are not ready yet. That, that yep. happens sometimes. So I we'll see. stay on the beta train this time around, which I usually don't, but there's a bunch of stuff in there that I want to try as soon as it becomes available. So yeah. Can I give you some quick thoughts on watchOS 10? I installed the Please release do. candidate, so I've only been using it for a few days. So I think I echo what I've heard a lot of people say. I don't like that the side button, what that used to do for me was show me like a bunch of pinned applications that I wanted to be able to use. That has gone away, that feature completely. The side button now brings up Control Center, which is fine, but there's no way for me to get to a list of applications easily. You know, I have like five apps that I would use a lot and you just can't get to them. There is still a kind of recently used multitasking view when you double tap the crown. I just want to be able to pin apps there. Like, just let me do that, but they don't let me do that. I do like, you know, I like the widgets a lot. I like that there's that widget that lets me add some kind of app shortcuts, right? Like like complication style. I don't know why I can't add more than one of those. Why can't I have two of those widgets that let me have like six little complications? Like that, find that really weird. Um, There are way too many ways to get to widgets. Like (laughs) you can get to widgets for like, two or three different actions on this thing. And I just think it's too much. Like it's it's unnecessary to me to have it like widgets access in so many ways. Uh, I hope that it works out in the long run. I enjoy the UI of the widgets. Um, I like the way that they look. The apps that I care most about widget wise, I do already have complications for them. 
So I hope that this functionality gets adopted kind of more widely. I did get on a beta for a, a watch app that has that I would not have a complication for that does have a widget and I've been using it over the last few days and it's awesome. I can't talk about it yet, but I'm very happy that it's there. I think when this app becomes available, people will know what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, I don't understand why on the widget screen, the date and the clock are there. Why are they there? Why are the date and clock there? I just came from a watch face. Like I don't need another watch face and they take up too much space right. i could have two i could have two or three widgets like immediately why do i need this huge date and clock like i don't understand yeah, feels that at all completely it feels like you're entering a somebody else's watch face yes why is this there? That there's like, like a little mad. mini watch face mm-hmm. and then scrollable widgets but it's like i was just on a watch face that yeah. has the time because all the watch faces have the time and the date i think because so every why... time i want to get to my widgets now it's always two swipes always two swipes so i swipe up and i have to swipe up again right to be able to get to anything other than the first one yeah and i'm not sure about the the smart of the smart stack right because they're supposed to like move around to what is active like for example right now i have a timery widget running now that should be on the top because that is an active thing that is occurring so i find that weird but it's not there um but I I, lo- I really like the way it looks. Like I like the widgets. I find the widgets helpful and useful. I like the design of widgets. And I, it is a better way of doing that. I used to be a fan of the Siri watch face. And I like that. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought really good. I never remember to use the widgets on watchOS 10. I never remember. I have used them almost not at all. I need to revisit them and see if I can make them more useful. But I will agree when I do use it, I just roll my eyes because I get that. I'm immediately given another time of the... You know, I've seen the time. I was just at the time. Why are you put it, showing me the time again and not my widgets, which is why I'm here. I don't get it. But I need to I, I need to try that more. And also the apps that I use, really, they need to be updated. you know. And I hope they are to yeah. do watch widgets. We'll see. I think in general, there's a lot more watch apps. Like I like the overall design of the new watch apps, the full yes. screen stuff. That's my favorite yeah, thing about really it. Really good. Really good. Really fresh. Um, both this and just the general watch UI makes me really look forward to getting my Ultra. Like I feel like notifications, for example, it feels like it wants a bigger watch, like the new design of the way a lot of this stuff works. Um, and I like the way that the, the swipe typing keyboard feels more reliable. I don't know if they're using the new autocorrect here with the transformer model. If they are, it would be interesting because swipe typing on iOS does not use the transformer model. If you swipe type, it doesn't make those suggestions. They're mm. only if you're like typing out the letters as you go. So I would say I like watchOS 10. I like the widgets and stuff, but I think there is more refinement needed on that view. Um, and I hope that I continue to see more really good updates because there's a bunch there and uh, watch updates that I've seen so far. And I hope that that continues because they're really cool. Yeah. All right. Should we finish out with a couple of Ask Upgrade questions today? Yeah, let's do it. So Corey asks, for the record, when will the Ask Upgrade lasers, which did not fire, which is interesting, uh, when will they be 100% carbon say, neutral? You just asked me a question about, let's go back. You, you asked me the question. I said, okay. yes, Mike, let's okay. do Ask Upgrade. Now then you it's say, time for Ask Upgrade. Corey asks, Thank for the you. record, when will the Ask Upgrade lasers be 100% carbon neutral? Uh, Corey, I got bad news for you. These are uh, lasers we picked up at the Supervillain factory, and mm-hmm. they um, they are they generate vast amounts of carbon dioxide every yep. time they're fired. Yep. That's the Sorry. thing. Sorry. We put coal in 
and it just generates like <laughs> that's it. ten that's times it. more emissions. Yeah, no, it's 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 very bad for the earth. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, these are again, they're just they're lasers. They're bad for the earth. They're they're trying. They're not good. What are we supposed to do? We have an episode every week. Like, what are we supposed to do? You know? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we only fire them three times every week for the most part. So this it's, week it's, it went, they went up okay, a bunch. But, but they're if if so, I guess the answer is maybe someday, but I'm not going to commit to 2030 for the lasers to be carbon neutral. That is very fun. We're not, and, and unlike other companies, we're not working toward it. It might happen sometime, but we're not <laughs> actually working toward it. It's just if if the lasers become carbon neutral, that was an accident. Like they just did that. We didn't do it. Right. If we buy lasers and then somebody points out that those lasers that you bought they're actually green. First off, we prefer them in red. The lasers are red. <laughs> For strange reasons. Yeah. Interestingly, I've always imagined the lasers are red. That's weird. That's a laser color. Mm-hmm. It's the color a laser is, is red, mm-hmm. right? The green laser, I don't know. That's like a lightsaber or something. It's not the same. So anyway, they're not green. They're red and they they murder people. Um, we fire them. We don't kill people with them. They were made to murder people. We fire them uh, into the ground and mm-hmm. it's fine. Very few upgrade interns have been harmed by the lasers so but anyway so maybe someday accidentally they will be carbon neutral but in the meantime they are hurting the earth and uh we're not making any progress toward our goals and eric asks is the new iphone 15 pro having usb3 could the fastest way to transfer to your new iphone be from a backup from your mac understand you you would need the correct cable of course do you have plans for how you're going to set up your new phones on friday um, well, I mean, I just use the, um, regular old transfer assistant. Um, I think the, oh, there's a good question though. Um, I don't know why it would be faster because you would have to go from, you would have to go from your one device to the Mac and then the Mac to the other device and that you're not going to get any savings there. So I think the fastest way to do it is to, is to transfer it directly either via cable or via, via wireless and, and do it. I'm going to do that device to device transfer thing again, I think. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. remember. I think last time I had a bad time with it, but I'm just going to give that a go again. I think you're always rolling the dice as to whether the transfer is going to be good or not. And next week, we'll talk about whether it was good or not. <laughs> you know, If I've done it by then, because we're actually going to record in person on Sunday, I'm expecting yes. I probably would have transferred my iPhone by then, but I'm not sure, but we'll see. I don't know. It's a, we're living in uncertain times right now. We sure are. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode, go to upgradefeedback.com and you can send in an ask upgrade question there. You can also send in your feedback and your follow-up. Don't forget, stjude.org slash relay. Find out more about our work for St. Jude uh, throughout all of September, which is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. You can donate, you can sign up to fundraise and join us for the podcast-a-thon on Friday, September 22nd. You can check out Jason's work at sixcolors.com. You'll find lots of coverage of the new OSs there. You can hear Jason on his podcast here and on The Incomparable. Uh, you can listen to my shows on Relay FM and check out my work at cortexbrand.com. We're on Mastodon. Jason is at jsnell on zeppelin.flights. Mike is at imike on mike.social. You can also find the show on Mastodon as upgrade at relayfm.social. You'll find video clips of the show there and also on our video platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, where we are at Upgrade Relay on all. We're also on threads. I am at imike. Jason is at Jay Snell. Thank you to our members who support us of Upgrade Plus. You can get longer, ad-free, 
uh, versions of the show each and every week. Today, I'm going to tell an Upgrade Plus, Jason, about my bananas visit trip. Like, sorry, my trip. My trip here was wild, and I'm mm. going to tell Jason what happened. Uh, you can find that on Upgrade Plus. Thank you to our sponsors of this week's episode, which was ZocDoc and Electric, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Early. 